It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is John Murphy. John's a European-based executive coach and actually one of the top 10 executive coaches on LinkedIn. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed, Andy. It's a great pleasure to be here. So John is joining us today from the south of France. I'm very envious of that. And uh, hopefully it's nice there today. It is, actually. It's very sunny. A bit cold, but it's beautifully sunny. And I just came back from... Toulouse, and uh, as I was driving back, I could see the snow in the, uh, in the Pyrenees, so it was really lovely. Yes, well, I can look out my window here in Manhattan and see the snow piled higher and deeper. Um, <laughs> We've probably got more than I have. <laughs> I suspect we do at this point. We had a couple feet over the weekend, so um, anyway, take a minute introduce yourself to the audience. Absolutely. I am. I, I said I've been operating for the last 12 years with John Murphy International, my, the business that I set up, which is really focused on... Um, coaching teams, uh, senior management teams, and also senior executives, CEOs, and business owners, and really helping them to be clear about the vision that they have for the business, the purpose they have for the business, and then also making sure they were focused on the things that matter most. Uh, Prior to that, I was in uh, the corporate world for many years and did the very traditional of starting as a salesman, going through sales manager, sales director, sales and marketing director, ending up a CEO. And uh, did that for a number of years and uh, said left that 12 years ago to do what I'm doing now, which is just, you know, I'm very fortunate to be one of those people, Andy, that's working at their passion. So what was the impetus to start your own business? I mean, what were you offering that was different than anybody else at that point? Well, it, it started, uh, I suppose, going back before I actually started the business, I, I, the, the, the driver to start the business was that I felt... I was becoming a bit stale and that I was beginning to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and, uh, and I always, I, I kind of had for years a, a one-liner, which was easy to say that the day I start to repeat myself, I leave. And <laughs> it's very easy to have that when you're not repeating yourself. And there's lots of things. But I suddenly realized probably about 13 years ago, I thought, hell, you know, this year looks a bit like last year and next year is kind of looks a bit like this year. And I'm not sure that I'm, really growing and developing, and do I want to stay doing this? And as you know, it's pretty hard to leave corporate life because you're very well looked after. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And particularly at a senior level, you know, you're very well looked after. And But I just knew that I couldn't stay and do that. I, you know, I had no complaints about corporate life. It was very good to me. I hope I was good to it. And um, and I really decided then, well, you know, sorry, I made the decision to leave before I made the decision about what I was going to do next. Yeah, no, I did the exact same thing. I, I, in fact, my story sounds very similar to yours. As I was sitting in a in my office, and I remember the day, and I got yep. a one of my uh, know, directors of sales or somebody comes in and asks me a question about a customer had a specific uh, issue they were dealing with, and it just it dawned on me at that moment. I said I had answered this exact same question fifteen years before that <laughs> for <laughs> for someone else, and I was like, all right, it's time to do something different. Well, well, my moment was actually on a on a flight uh, from Dublin to the, our headquarters in Europe, um, and 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 I thought it just suddenly dawned on me. I take this flight every month, and I go with pretty much the same files. 
I say pretty much the same thing. And they ask me pretty much the same, same questions. questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is this is getting it to be a little bit predictable. So I, it was then I said, okay, that's it. And of course, then the whole question is, what do you do next? And uh, so I really looked at the part of corporate life that I enjoyed doing. And the bit that I loved doing was putting teams together, getting a team to work really effectively, going through the whole selection, deciding the, the, not, the, the sort of people, not just in terms of the skills, but also the makeup of the people, how you got them to work together as a unit so that, you know, it was just a really high-performing team. And then I loved coaching the individuals within that. So I decided just to take that and said, okay, let's just wrap a business around that. And that was very much the, the kind of starting point. And, you know, that's going on for 12 years ago now. And uh, it's just been... You know, fantastic. And, and I mean, I just I was just saying to somebody this morning, in fact, in, in, in Toulouse, that one of the joys uh, doing what I do, because you're doing what you love, but also, you know, different situations, different organizations, different size organizations. Um, you know, to give you an example, I, this morning, the company that I, I was having a conversation with, they have 140,000 employees, right? Mm -hmm. uh, an enormous organization. It's Airbus, the, right. the airplanes. Um but, you know, later on today, I'm, I'm having a conversation with somebody who started their own business. And there are five people in the, in the company right now because it's a startup. So that's the great joy that you go from, from one to the other. And they have different issues and challenges. And that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason with that difference that makes it exciting is that you get to learn something as well. Absolutely. Because, you know, certainly in your background, I know me when I started my business as a consultant that... I didn't have expertise in all the areas that, that I encountered when I was working with my clients, but I, I learned along with them in some cases. Yeah, and I still am. And, yeah. uh, and, that, and that never finishes, uh, thankfully. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's great to get in because, you know, if it's something that you love, you get passionate about doing it, you get passionate about getting a result, and you're passionate about ensuring that the people that you're working with are getting the results. And uh, so it's, it's not just... A, a contract, it's much more of a, a kind of a personal engagement. Exactly, exactly. Well, good. Well, let's, I want to talk about one specific area of performance improvement that I know that, that you talk about and you work with your clients on. It's this area of emotional intelligence. You know, you say that this is a, a key component of excess, success. Excuse me, but I'm sure that many, if not most listeners, have, have heard the term emotional intelligence, certainly in the last 20 years since uh, Daniel Goleman published his book of the same title. But I suspect most don't know precisely what it is. So can you define emotional intelligence? Yeah, the way, the way I kind of define emotional intelligence, which would not be your, your kind of classic um, academic uh, description of it, but I really kind of say what it is, is really having a very good look at how you're likely to behave in different situations. Because we all have a certain kind of map, if you like our own emotional DNA, which means that we are you know, created in a certain way and we are likely to behave in, in different circumstances in, in a, with a particular pattern. And it's actually understanding how we're likely to behave in different situations. Because not that, you know, if you take, for example, if you take, um, you know, one of the facets of emotional intelligence that you, that you measure is, is uh, optimism. Now, you know, if you're, if you're scoring high in optimism, and that's great, uh, you're optimistic, but you've also got to understand that, you know, you're not suddenly because you start doing some work on emotional intelligence, you're going to lessen your optimism or you're going to become a pessimist. 
and you are what you are, so it's not going to change. But understanding the fact that you're an optimist also educates you to the fact that, you know, in certain circumstances, you are likely not to actually take full recognition of some potential dangers that are coming down the track at you. So it's great to be an optimist. So, you know, but the flip side of the optimism is that you don't really recognize issues and challenges that are facing you. So for every kind of positive, there's a negative in terms of the emotional intelligence, but it really is looking, getting a mirror up to yourself and understanding how you're likely to behave in any given circumstance and then how that plays out. And it looks at it how you're likely to behave from your own perspective in terms of what happens to you. It, lo it looks at how you're going to behave with people on a one-to-one -one basis. And it also looks at how you're going to behave with people on a group basis. So it really is looking at you from different facets. And the reason that emotional intelligence is important, and as you rightly referred to, you know, Daniel Goldwyn was probably the first person who brought it, you know, gave it a high profile. And of course, since then, he's continued writing some wonderful stuff. And there's been some other great stuff written on, on emotional intelligence. But, you know, when I started working and if you were if any assessment was done on you, it was likely to be your IQ. And uh, and now it would be accepted. And this is not my opinion. This would be what the likes of Daniel Goldman and other such experts would say, is that when you're looking at somebody in a management or a leadership position, and if you want to split between emotional intelligence and IQ, you'd weigh at 80% of emotional intelligence and 20% IQ. So the IQ just really gets you in the game. But what's going to make the difference is your ability to to engage with people, to lead with people, and to actually engage them on an emotional level. And I often liken it, Andy, to, you know, if you think back to teachers, and certainly if, if I go back in my own experience, if you think about the teachers that really impacted upon you most significantly, they were perhaps, and certainly I can say in my case, and most people that I talk to would say, they perhaps were not the most technically brilliant teachers, but they had a way of making the subject matter sound interesting and fascinating that engaged you and therefore you learned more about the subject. And, you know, when you look at a leadership perspective, it's all about engaging people emotionally. It's not about direction or being autocratic or handing out the orders or presenting your goals and objectives and that's it. You've got to engage people and that's really what is going to make the difference. Sorry, that was a bit of a long winded answer to your question. <laughs> but I kind of get on my soapbox and talk about emotional intelligence. We can tell you we can tell you're passionate about it. So but now you early on in, in your answer, you said that you sort of you are what you are, but I mean can't emotional intelligence be learned? I mean, can't it be changed with practice? Oh, it, I mean, you are what you are in the sense that, you know, it's a bit like your DNA, that that's kind of the stamp that's there. Your DNA doesn't necessarily change. But what you can do around it is that you can, knowing what your profile is like, you can then do things and put strategies in place that are going to help you to kind of store up kind of where might the weaknesses might be. And of course, by doing that, like exercising any muscle, you will grow and develop and it will become part of the way you operate. So you can educate yourself about your emotional intelligence and by then putting strategies in place that are really going to help you uh, to support that. Let me give you an example of a pr pretty good example that I had very recently. Somebody who was a, a very senior executive and we did the, their, their profile. And one of the things that came out in the profile was the fact that uh, he was very low on empathy. And, uh, and he was quite surprised at that. Uh, I have to say I wasn't. 
from the conversation that I, that I had with him, and certainly talking to other people that would that would have worked with him, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise to them, but it was a surprise to him. So the fact that we were able to say, well, you know, to confirm to him this, you know, what it's showing you is kind of how it plays out, and this is the feedback from other people. This was something that he could now then work on. So by recognizing it, it made him a lot more conscious of how he communicated with people. He so, became a lot more conscious of words that he used, language he used, behavior he used, because what people would say when they were in meetings one-to-one -one with him is that they actually got the impression that he wasn't really listening. Yeah, so, all right. So to that point, though, is, is for somebody listening to the show, owner of a small business or you know leader in a small mid-sized enterprise or leader in a startup they don't have the benefit of a consultant like you to come in and help assess them how do they self-assess i mean how do they self-assess what their eq is and where their weaknesses may be I mean, what well, concrete steps can they take in that regard yeah i mean one of the one of the best ways that you'll get it is is actually asking for feedback from other people uh, i mean it, it's 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 you know if you ask people who are observant who would know you quite well and who have worked with you at close quarters, they're actually, if they're honest with you, they're going to give you some really, really uh, honest feedback as to how you interact with people. You know, because very often people who, uh, you know, when they're interacting, they don't get the impression that they're listening. And, and that's part of your emotional intelligence. So it really is, if you don't want to do the assessment or you don't want to go and get assessed, just get feedback from people, honest feedback, and really, you know, it's not trying to justify it or answer it, but just really honest feedback, you know, 360 feedback of how, how you interact with other people, and then do something about those. And if you take the example of somebody who said, well, I'm not a very good listener, one of the things that I got this guy to do, because he, he was really, you know, he was so, he was actually genuinely upset by the fact that he was coming across as lacking empathy, because he thought he was quite the opposite. But we, he, he actually put a reminder that only he would have known about in his own folder that when he was engaging with people, that he made the point of actively listening so that he wasn't just when they were when not talking, he wasn't just kind of handing out orders, handing out directives. And when they were talking, really just thinking about what he was going to say next, that he made a point of really actively listening. And when he did that for a period of time, and I said he had to have a kind of a physical reminder, I think he put something like a yellow post-it or something like that in his folder to remind mm -hmm. him so that nobody else would know what it meant. But he said over a period of time, he actually began to get so much more from the meetings that he was having with people. He really, really began to realize, actually, I wasn't paying attention. I thought I was paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. And these meetings now are becoming much more fruitful, much more impactful for both sides in right. the conversation. So it, it, is, it is about putting very practical kind of strategies around it to understand, you know, how you, how you are likely to behave. Another one can be around, you know, decision making, whether you're very, you've got high impulse or low impulse. And then if you've got, you know, if you've got high impulse, can be that you're overly controlled and maybe you just got to let go a little bit. But if you've got low impulse, can be that you just jump from one thing to another. Right. So, well, I guess the question then is, is but are there like third party tools that are available that are resources, a website somebody could go to that they could take an assessment that they can? I mean, if they go and just Google emotional intelligence and they will get there are some really good uh, assessments online that people can go and get those. And, and some of those, I think I think there'll be quite a number of them will be free. Yeah, because I think one of the things that's really important for people that are listening to the show to understand is that 
is, as you sort of point out, with the gentleman that really wasn't aware of the fact that he was perceived as lacking empathy by the people that worked for him and with him is that, that yeah, you need to have a, you know, sort of an independent assessment done. You're sort of operating on autopilot because you assume things are, are going well. And it's this autopilot that's really destructive for you. And also, if you're a CEO, especially in smaller companies, what I might find is oftentimes they don't really have people in a position that will give them honest feedback. No. And so therefore, you very much depend on friends. One of the things that I do, Andy, was just to kind of to build on the point that I'm making about asking people for feedback is that pretty much every report that when I get back, I sit down with a client and they will say, oh, yeah, I agree with kind of 90 percent of it. But there's one bit now there. I don't really I don't really think that it's got me right. OK, and there's nearly always the one bit. And, you know, when you look at the profile, which is which is the one that they're going to pick. Right. Right. And uh, I always say, well, fine. OK, we'll go to the report. But, you know, if you have a mind to, and it's entirely up to them, if you have a mind to show it to your your husband or your wife or your partner or whatever it might be, and just ask them what they think, right? And just give them, give, let them read it. And, and when, when they do that, and almost 100% of them do it, but when they do it, absolutely, the, the universal comment is, I could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd asked me. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is always it's always the bit that we actually we actually know deep down we're a bit like that and we know it's a it's not an area where we're brilliant but we don't really want to admit it. Well, but I also think it's it's a great feedback for again for people listening to the show that maybe don't have a circle of advisors or you know other peers within the company or maybe they're not part of a mastermind group or coaching group that you know they have peers will give them uh, feedback. Is yeah, ask the people that know you because you you tend to think that you act differently at work than you do outside of work. And that's really not the case. I mean, the commonalities really transcend from one sphere to the other. So get that good, honest feedback from good friends, spouses, relatives, whatever. Yeah, and I would absolutely agree with you, Andy. You know, how you are outside of work is how you are inside of work. Yeah, as much as you think you have, you put a mask on and you go to work, that's pretty much the same person. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with my guest, John Murphy, as we talk more about emotional intelligence and performance improvement. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back with my guest today, John Murphy. So we just, the first part, we were talking about emotional intelligence. Another area that I'm really interested in, because I've had some more guests recently about this uh, that have been on the show and their upcoming episodes, is about having a purpose in your life other than money, right? If you really want to succeed, if you're purely money motivated, that's probably not going to get you where you want to go. That you, There needs to be some other purpose at stake here. So you talk about that. What what do you see with the people you coach? Yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a really interesting area. And, uh, and, and I absolutely agree. I mean, if, if we end up that the conversation is all about money, somehow we've lost the discussion along the, along the way. Um, because the truth is that, you know, for all of us, it's, it is much more about 
meaningful engagement in whatever we're doing. And uh, and I think that when you look, when I look at at, at businesses and and organisations, and you know something that that have worked in, one of the things that that is not enough attention is paid to is really, really making the vision of that business come alive. Now, I'm not talking about kind of the, the carefully worded, you know, statement that's in the, the annual report or, you know, anything like that, which, you know, it might well be the one and the same, but, but that people really have kind of great clarity about what it is they're, they're buying into and what the purpose of the business is, rather than, I mean, okay, what you want to do, you want to build a profitable business because it's got to be profitable, because if it isn't profitable, it won't exist, so there's nothing wrong with profit. But, you know, what is the overall purpose of the business? And then what is the part of the jigsaw that I own that without which that that picture is not complete? And I think it's really, really important for people to understand which part of the jigsaw they own. But it also does come back. And and, and I must say, I do find it really interesting that for many for many people in the corporate world, and I would say from my experience, more in the corporate world than as kind of entrepreneurs. In the corporate world, there there are not a very high percentage that I think are clear about their own vision and purpose, their own personal vision and purpose. What their meaning in life is. What their meaning in life is, what their own individual meaning in life is. And, And I think that what happens there is that if you don't have great clarity about what your own purpose and meaning in life is, that your whole identity becomes wrapped up in your title and your role. And that title and your role in the corporate life, as you and I both know, Andy, can be taken away from you at any moment in time for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. uh, many of which can be completely nothing to do with you. But um, but it can be taken away. And if that's taken away, then what's left? And I really do encourage people to to really, really work hard in identifying what their purpose is, what it is they're striving to achieve. And then if they're clear about that, then making sure that the organization that they're working for, that their personal vision can actually fit in with what the organizational uh, vision is. Because if not, you will have a, a, a disconnect. I, a great lover of the, 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 the book that um, Simon, Sinek write, uh, Simon Sinek wrote called Start With Why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, where you know, he, and he says it very, very eloquently in the sense that he says that you know we're, we're, we can all be pretty clear about what we're doing and how we're doing it, but we're not always terribly clear about why we're doing it, and 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 I think that that's a really important question to answer. You know, life goes fa- goes by very, very fast, and if we are not clear about what our purpose is, you know, we're going to end up quite disenchanted with, with, in a number of years' time, irrespective of kind of what of the outcome of the individual career is we're going to feel that it's kind of a bit of an underutilized life and uh, for me when I'm coaching people Andy and I'm sure you're the same it's not just about their work and their business but it's also about them because you've got to make sure that the two are aligned so what are some other than reading Simon Sinek's book uh, start with why what are some concrete steps somebody can take to sort of start thinking about this idea of, of purpose, right? Is start identifying that in a way that I know, you know, we use the term self-actualization. And I know that has sort of a, a airy feel to ephemeral feel to it, but, but it is something very concrete. It is something that's really important to understand. So what are the steps somebody can take to start really identifying that? 
Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's no getting away from it that you just simply have to, you know, spend a bit of time in reflection on it. I mean, it's, it's not going to suddenly, you know, by not giving it any thought or any time, it's not going to suddenly hit you like a bolt out of the blue just because you wanted to. So you do need to sit down. But if, if, when you think about it, it's, it's kind of really say, well, what, what contribution do I want to, do, do I want to make in, in, in my world? There are kind of a, a series of questions you can ask yourself. What do I want to contribute to community? What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to be remembered for? What do I want to have achieved in my life? And I don't mean kind of in, in, a, in a business on a monetary uh, sense, but, you know, if, if as a parent, as a father, as a mother, as, you know, whatever it might be, but really kind of reflecting down and kind of what is it the mark that I want to leave on my community, on this world as I pass through and really spending time. And I think the only way you're doing it is to kind of sit down, blank sheet of paper or canvas or a mind map or whatever it might be, whatever it is that you use. And the way I would always encourage somebody to do is, you know, spend a bit of time doing it, map it out in whatever way works for you walk away from it, think about it, meditate upon it, reflect upon it, you know, read a bit more about it, maybe read the likes of, you know, a book of Simon Sinek or something similar, and then come back and, and have another look at it and say, well, does that actually stack up? Does that actually fit together in what I want to do? And, you know, do that a couple of times. And then if you've got a partner, engage them in the process. You could do it from the very beginning. But I think I'm somebody who likes to have something that I can work with rather than just a blank canvas that I want to share with somebody else. And then kind of work in and say, OK, well, how does this fit in terms of the two of us going forward in our lives? Does this fit? So it is a, an evolving process. And but it's just time that you need to spend. And it's you know, it's just so important to do it because that gives you the context for decisions you make in your life. And when you think about all the decisions that we that, that we, we, are, we are faced with, you know, in terms of careers we take, jobs we take, businesses we start, partners we marry, houses we live in, investments we make, where our children go to school, whatever it might be, you know, and you say, well, which is the right decision? Should I do A or should I do B? And the fact is, if we, in the absence of a vision for yourself, you, it's very hard to know which is right. But if you have clarity around your purpose and, and the vision for your life, then those decisions become easier because they're clearer. And I think that's the really important point. But there's no getting away from it. You just simply have to sit down and just do some reflection and some introspection and really kind of think. And it's not kind of the, 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 the kind of the airy fairy stuff. It really is what, what lasting impression do I want to have made in this life? What, who do I want to impact? What sort of legacy do I want to leave behind to, to my children, to my community, to my family, whatever it might be? And really asking those very, you know, the very easy questions to ask, but they're not so easy to answer. Oh, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, you've got to give time to it. You've got to give time to it. But you ain't going to get it in one go. I, I think it's great to kind of do a bit, walk away, do a little bit of reading, listening, listen to a podcast or whatever it might be, come back and have another go and then involve the people that are, that are you know, part of your life in, in the creation of that. And if you do that, it becomes such a powerful thing because for all of us in our, in our, in our vision, just because you've got a vision doesn't mean that it's going to be all happy, clappy all along the way. There are going to be lumps and bumps on that road. And by having shared that with your with your partner, you will help each other along that journey and you will support each other when you know, the time is a little bit rocky. Things aren't going exactly as you hoped they would. And that's just life. Um, and, you know, you will have each other to lean on. 
And that's why I think it's very much an iterative process. And then keep on going back to it because it will evolve and change as you go. It's not just one vision there, tick the box and move on. You're right. And I think one of the, the great shames that I see in, in business, even at you know, people, entrepreneurs sometimes and, and small business owners, but it also, you know, people that are doing the work day to day, the managers, the sales reps and so on, is that just operating on autopilot. And, yeah. you know, I always harken back to that phrase, you know, the unexamined, but the unexamined life is that, you know, you have to, you have to have a greater purpose. Otherwise you're just going through the motions and that going through the motions is going to translate into a lesser performance over time. I mean, without this sort of, again, being somewhat self-actualized and self-realized in terms of understanding what your goals and purpose are, you just don't have the vision to give yourself the will and the tools to succeed. Yeah, because, you know, motivation, motivation just doesn't, you can't just kind of switch it on and switch it off. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you've got to be motivated to get you somewhere. You can't just be motivated for the sake of being motivated right. or, or, you know, or being happy clappy. You know, you've actually got to be motivated to actually get you from where you are right now to the place that you want to be. And that's part of that's part of your vision. And that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you fueled. And, you know, at the base of all of that, to my mind, Andy, as, as well, is the thing that's actually going to fuel that to help you to maintain the motivation are the daily rituals that you underpin to to really make those happen. Right. Excellent. All right, John, great. We're going to move to the last segment of the show where I've got some questions I pose to all my guests. We always wrap up this way. And uh, you ready? Yeah. Okay, so here's the first one. It's a hypothetical scenario. So assume for a second that you're a new sales leader that have been hired into a company whose sales have stalled and they're looking to you to turn things around. So what two things would you would you do your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? I would meet every single person to understand exactly what it is they're doing and how they're actually doing it. And then at the end of that week, I would get that team together and I would start to say, guys, let's start creating a new future for ourselves and let's understand how we need to behave in order to do that. Okay. Those are your two things. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So next, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or you can elaborate as much as you wish. So the first one is when you're selling your services... What's your most powerful sales attribute? My passion. Name one tool you use for managing your own sales that you can't live without. One tool that I use for sales, probably Evernote. I love Evernote. Uh, <laughs> personally, I live on Evernote. Uh, who's your business role model? Um, that's a really good question because I've actually got a couple of, of different ones. But if I was looking at one, it would be Richard Branson. Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Creator of the whole Virgin Empire. Absolutely. So what's one book that every manager should read? I'm going to give you one that I've just finished because I thought it was fantastic in terms of understanding how mindfulness is so important to a leader. And that's mindful work by a New York author called uh, New York uh, Times journalist called David Geddes. Oh, Okay. Yeah, just a great book, and for anyone who is 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 leading people, it's a fantastic read. Yeah, I think this whole topic of mindfulness is going to come more and more to the fore, and it's it's certainly in the sales perspective is really important because yeah, it's a great way to teach salespeople how to be in the moment for the customer. Really, as you said, active listening before. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, that's a good recommendation. All right, here's a tough question: What's on your music playlist right now? Music plays is Adele. Adele, of course. Okay. 
I, the other one would be because of what's happened recently would be David Bowie. David Bowie, great. So, what's the first sales activity you do every day? I send emails to ten people, uh, just giving them some article of interest to them. Okay. And are these people that are on your list, or are they new people you find on LinkedIn? No, no, no. They're people that will be on my list. Okay. All right. Last question for you. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by managers? How can I be better at time management? <laughs> <laughs> and your answer is? And, and that your, your problem isn't time management. Because <laughs> you don't manage time. <laughs> Well, actually, yeah, I've got a, a great book I'd recommend people to read by, uh, have you read the book by Kevin Cruz about... Uh, oh, fabulous. Yeah, great. I, I can't, what's the name of it again? Uh, gosh, the 15 Time Management Secrets of uh, Successful People or something like that. But it, Kevin Cruz, K-R-U-S-E, fantastic yeah. book. Great book. And I interviewed him on, the, on my podcast recently. And it, great, but it's, it's a super book. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been transformative for me. I interviewed him on my show as well. So, all right. Well, John, I want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, tell people how they can find out more about you. Uh, Andy, thank you for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, anyone to get, a, get in touch with me, they can go to my site, which is www.johnmurphyinternational.com or my email is john at johnmurphyinternational.com. So Andy, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is a great way to do that. Then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like our guest today, John Murphy, who shared his experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.